Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I was a-bouncing and laughing as we rolled down an old dirt road. What's up, guys? This is episode 14, Damon. Uh, I think so, yeah. Uh, if you're listening, it is probably Friday, November 19th. Uh, glad you're listening to us today. Uh, we've got a very special guest uh, coming into uh, the podcast, or I guess into the Zoom meeting. Uh, but we're going to have two-time NHRA Funny Car Champion uh, Ron Caps joining us a little bit later on here. Uh, great guy, great um great interview anytime you get a chance to do it and uh excellent guy at talking uh for sure damon let's hop right into our weekend stuff um tonight kyle larson and chase elliott are gonna keep doing this thing that i've been talking about all summer there, there's some animosity um there's some there's some rivalry uh and the guys from the Circle Jerks podcast like to do the uh, inferiority complex. Did I say that word right? Yeah, I'm really off to a booming start explaining this. Um, between NASCAR and dirt fans, okay, there is uh, mm-hmm. there's a bit of a rivalry sometimes. Yep. And Kyle Larson has kind of mended uh, the crossroads and gotten dirt fans to watch a little bit more NASCAR. NASCAR to pay more attention to the actual talent that you're watching on dirt. You're not watching a demolition derby. You're watching guys who compete on dirt all year racing professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the best at their craft. And when Kyle Larson goes and wins those races, that is even more impressive than uh, what he did in the, in a uh, stock car this year. Yep. Um, he's now bringing in chase Elliott to do it. He has somewhere along the way uh, raced the car enough. Um, and I don't know if he convinced Alex Bowman to do it, but Alex Bowman now has a sprint car team. Maybe William Byron can get a couple more wins next year and uh, <laughs> put out an Exalta 24 uh, sprint car at some point. But will it be he'll sponsor a, uh, he'll, he'll go sponsor an iRacing team somewhere. Right. Absolutely. Um, but we'll, these guys come on to the dirt circuit and bring bigger names to the dirt circuits. It helps everybody. And it's really cool to see at some point, either Bowman or uh, chase Elliott is going to like screw around and win one. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's when it's going to boom up a little bit and be like, Oh, he actually did that. Yeah. You know, it's funny that, you know, you talk about the kind of that rivalry quote unquote between the dirt and asphalt people, but it it is pretty cool to see 
someone and one of the biggest figures in the sport bring him together and now he's bringing drivers with him right bringing names like chase elliott who let's be honest is probably the biggest name in the sport right now and you you wouldn't have ever thought about that a few years ago and now here he is bringing chase elliott into um dirt racing and now you've got bowman who is working with cj leary who is a successful driver himself and so now they're bringing a team together it's it's pretty cool to see and the other thing that you know people lose in the shuffle is the fact that all three of them are hendrick drivers and it wasn't that long ago where it was no other racing whatsoever out of the hendrick stable yeah absolutely and i think the other thing that gets lost is these are opportunities for some guys to drive cars. Mm-hmm. Cole Macedo got it at world finals in the Bowman car. Like it's just so cool to see um, guys get shots to prove themselves like that um, all around. And that'll be on flow racing uh, today. We're recording on Thursday, so that'll be happening tonight. Let's uh, let's do a little time travel. Uh, Kyle Larson won. Uh, Chase Elliott won a heat race, but it was only because of the invert. Um, he ended up finishing 17th in the feature, but he did pass four cars uh, during green flag runs. Um, and the race had six cautions. Okay. I think that happened, right? That's what. That's exactly how it went. I'm going off your basis. <laughs> I'm trying. I don't know what's going to happen tonight, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Kyle Larson win. It would only amaze me just a little bit more. I, I think you'll be, I can be pretty darn close. At least I think the Larson pick is a good choice. I think um, Chase making passes is a, is a good, good bet as well. Um, and There's only been two midget races ever at Placerville. Uh, the Californians hate it when I say Placerville and I've made that mistake way too many times. So <laughs> shout out to you guys. Uh, my buddy Shane Golubic is listening. He's racing tonight. Um, They'll be fast, I'm sure. Carson Macedo, uh, Corey Eliason are down there. And then we get this massive, like, insanely fun points battle between Buddy Kofoid and Chris Wyndham. And that's the other thing that's getting lost in the whole shuffle, too, is there's still points out there to be paid, right? Yeah, and if you guys if you guys are worried about that, I can promise you there's not a bigger points nerd out there than myself. When the race ends, I want to see the new points. I, that's the storyline I want to write about is where did this guy finish, where did that guy finish, and how did that affect who's in first in the points now? Mm-hmm. Obviously, being first in the points now doesn't do anything for you next week, but right. it's better to be in first than it is in second in any situation when you're talking about points. Exactly. Always, always better to be in, in the driver's seat. I mean, take, take Ron's uh, example from this past weekend. Absolutely, He was ousted in the second round and needed, needed some help. And guess what? He got it. Yeah. You never want to be standing on the side, especially in a sport like drag racing, where if a guy is going to mess up, he just has to lose. Right. So you're just cheering against him to lose. And you're, it's just like, here's the suspense and here's the three seconds and it's either going to happen or not. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
such a fun sport. I'm amped that we get to talk more drag racing today, and we'll get real deep into that with Ron. Um, the Drydine Extreme Series, this is kind of the stuff we aren't going to touch on as much um, on the podcast, at least, but that gets started this weekend. There's really no off-season for late model racing. We talk about that in midgets, but that late model series is already starting, and I think they race again uh, a week or two after this. Um, and then the other thing is I, I wanted to jokingly bring up Nitro Rallycross as having another race this weekend. I'm am for it. You're a big fan of that now. It's just, I love like the whole aspect of it. And I think it's pretty cool. the right promoter, if they got like the guy, I was watching a documentary this morning on the guy that resurrected IndyCar and it all led up to Dan Weldon's death at Las Vegas and stuff. If they got that guy to promote Nitro Rallycross, I guarantee you they'd be sore. I, he writing on the map when I was a kid. I didn't even realize what I was watching. Think about some of the names that are involved in that, though. Like Travis Pastrana is a big worldwide name anyway. So you right. can promote his name and people are going to watch. Absolutely. I think Travis is an insanely talented driver. I think he's a good promoter. Yeah. I don't think he's out of this world at promoting if i can say that no sure. no knock on him you can only be so good at so many things like <laughs> travis pastrana is hey, uh, i'm not saying he's doing anything wrong i just think that the sport deserves some more praise and i hate that it's gone through like three different sanctioning bodies and died out every time he's uh he's been around we'll just put it that way he's been around all right let's talk this nascar next gen test then we'll get to questions um there's a lot of them coming in too. There are. We we actually got a lot of questions today. I appreciate y'all for lighting up the phone lines. Um, basically today, today and yesterday, NASCAR is doing the next gen test at Charlotte. They're supposed to do a test at Withy Raceway. I know I said that on the podcast. So technically I reported it. I have the screenshot from the article, but I'm like, it's like five o'clock on Tuesday. I saw nothing of this test at Withy <laughs> or Wythe or Weef or however you pronounce that racetrack's name. I've never seen them host a dirt race in any of the national tours I've covered either. So mm -hmm. um, I don't know if they did that test or not. Uh, I did not see anything about it. So it was supposed to be Tuesday, November 16th. The day came and gone or came and went. I didn't see anything about it. Um, yeah, I didn't see anything. But five minutes into the next-gen test at Charlotte, um, which is kind of the first, like, big track we've really seen these cars test on. I'm not counting Talladega and the secret test they had, but public next-gen test for a majority of the teams. Uh, Austin Dillon wrecked five minutes in. What were your thoughts when you saw that? Um, not surprised, honestly. At, at least the cars are harder to drive. Yeah, I think I think that's the biggest thing, and I know we will kind of touch on it. But Dylan wrecked a car. Larson spun coming off of four, and Denny spun in the middle of three and four. So, you know, the, the top two finishers really. You look at it in your points battle from this last year. Um, spun in the new car, and then Dylan destroyed a car. So, I. I think it's it's harder to drive, and I think they're harder to adapt to just a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's I, I'm not surprised. I guess if I were to to put it to a couple of words, not surprised really. Absolutely. Um, I got to read these times off because I was I'm enthralled by this. They are Russ Chastain uh, said he went on a 35 lap run uh, today uh, in the next gen car. He was not jogging. I just want to make that clear. Mm -hmm. uh, 
35 lap run started, started off running 31 threes ended running 33 sixes. So that's mm-hmm. a 2.3 second drop off and average speed of 172.5 to 160. Yeah. Well, here's, here's, an, here's another thing that I saw too is, is the tire fall off cool. That's great. But we got ARCA cars going faster right now. That's yeah. a problem. And that's now here's another comment that Ross Chastain made. This is uh, according to Seth Eggert. Um, I, I got to get this stuff right, man. Uh, give these guys some shoot. I can't talk today. Give these guys some shout outs. Um, <laughs> Seth, my buddy Seth from kicking the tires. Uh, Ross said he's not surprised by the lower speeds compared to the Charlotte race in May. He said, these cars are bulky, not sleek. They're not sealed to the ground. We have less power. And then he said, we're all going to ask for more power, but that's not the direction we're going. Right. I think that sums up like what NASCAR is doing perfectly. And I do hate it. Yeah. It's, I don't know. There's so many mixed things on it um, from so many different areas right now, obviously just you, you would think the top echelon of motorsports would be, be just that, right? Be the top echelon of motorsports where your lower divisions aren't going faster than you. Cause isn't that the whole point is to kind of graduate up as you go, then why would you get to the top level and then go back? That's my, my biggest thing. Yeah. It's, it's not great. And at, at the very least, at least the cars are harder to drive and maybe that'll be something we really look at the speeds. I cannot tell that they're that much. I, I can't tell the right. difference between how fast they used to be and how fast they are now. Right. If I watched a 2003 race before a race on the same track next year, maybe I could tell the difference, but I can't now. The one thing that stood out to me, did you watch the video of Ricky Stenhouse that NASCAR put out? I don't think so. No, uh, the in-car camera one, right? Yeah. The in-car. I watched a little bit of it, but not. The one thing that stood out to me, which, you know, obviously the cars are still harder to drive, but they're still full throttle through the corners. And so that, you know, you take out that part of, of the driving side of it, I guess is I would consider a downfall, but I don't know. Absolutely. All right. Well, we got a lot of questions to get into and I don't want to just sit here and say NASCAR needs to make the cars faster. I I don't, I don't truly think they need to quote unquote, I would love it. And I think a lot of people would like it Mm -hmm. and it it would help calm the tides of a lot of issues that fans have with NASCAR right now that it feels like they don't listen to the fans. They don't listen to the drivers. They got their own plan in mind and you know, hopefully, hopefully we come out on the other side of this and they get it right. Cause they're not going to come and ask me what to do. Hey, the fan council said they, they like the five fifty package. Right. I, <laughs> Let's get the fan, I think the fan council is run by the stripper from Texas. <laughs> okay. That's I, I don't know who in their right mind answers those questions. Like they say they do. And I, I, completely think it's all made up i don't either let's go to questions all right lots of questions today appreciate y'all for throwing all these in here i'm not going to go in any particular order um 
I'll start with uh, my buddy Skeet App. Um, and I think he was just trying to do a meme, uh, but we got a really graphic picture of a monkey screaming <laughs> uh, and said, what moment this year has been like this? Uh, so I guess like craziest moment of the year. And I was going to go with Kyle Larson dominating and winning Kings Royal and the Knoxville Nationals. And then I kind of thought about it and I'd probably have to say Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick. Yeah, that's fair. The, like the Roval race, probably more so than the Bristol, even though I know it all started at Bristol and what happened at Bristol, but watching Elliott drive a wrecked car, like mm-hmm. that was sweet. I would say mine is probably the Denny Bowman moment at Martinsville that, you know, cause that there's so much, so much tension throughout the day anyway, with everything going on and for it to be, you know, a cutoff and, and all of that. So I think that seeing, diluted it for me a little bit. And also yeah, that it was like a, it happened faster. I just, I thought it was pretty, you didn't really expect it. You, you kind of knew it was there a possibility that that would happen, but it was a playoff versus a non-playoff. I just, that was my moment of shock was seeing, seeing Bowman give him the bumper. In the hypothetical here that Hamlin gets up to stop the burnout and gets out of his car and they have a hockey fight on the front stretch, then I'd go with that. See, I think, I think if they'd have gotten out and, and fought, it would have been everybody's wow moment. And I think that like, dude, like these guys, all the drivers, all the drivers make fun of this stuff and people talking about it. Do you know how big that would be for NASCAR? If Uh, someone actually did that, like it would be on, it would be on every national network. It'd be awesome. I think that today's show would be going through the highlights for sure. All right. Uh, tough one here from Josh. Um, we sponsor his iRacing car. Mm -hmm. Take that William Byron. (laughs) We're getting into it way more than he is. I, he probably already has a team on us. Josh said, uh, biggest surprise of the 2021 world of outlaws and ASCOC seasons and biggest disappointment. Hmm. Biggest surprise. I'm going to blank. I'm going to blanket both of them. Um, it's not a disappointment, but shots not getting his 300th one until June. Yeah, that was surprising. And then he turned it on at the end of the year. So I I wouldn't call it necessarily a disappointment. It might be for him, but a lot of teams would love that. But blanket over the outlaws and all-stars is how good Tyler Courtney has been in a sprint car. That's, that's a pretty good, I was going to go somewhere along those lines too, is how well he has performed. That was, if it was a surprise, but for this, for this sake, it's kind of a surprise because we knew he was talented. So, um, so that, that would go, go right along. I guess my disappointment really would be the, the anticlimactic finish to the season, you know, for the points battle, because that's just a season long points battle. is advocating let me explain i get that but build it up build it up build it up and then it's you know sweet goes on this tear and then he struggles and gravel's closing gravel's closing and then he lays an egg when he has every opportunity at the end of the season that's that's where i'm i'm saying it was kind of disappointment was gravel didn't come and make it closer i just yeah you you had he had the opportunity 
innings. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. that. There was one of those races where Sweet really got into it, and Gravel had a it was either a flat tire engine problem or a wreck. Yeah. Like well, laps later, and that's, that's obviously that, also unlucky to an extent. But what was the one that you know Sweet wrecked early, and then Gravel at best was twelfth or something like that? It's late in the year, so and it might be the same one that you're talking about too. But yeah, I think know, I think it actually was. It was one of those Pennsylvania races we were talking about. Yeah, but you know he had every opportunity to close the gap and and go into the last couple of weekends with with a chance at surpassing and taking the lead, but he never capitalized on the opportunity. My uh, my biggest disappointment is Brock Zierfoss. Um Enough said. <laughs> Next question. It, it's a tough, tough, tough year for them. A lot of, a yeah. lot of wrecked race cars, tough year, a lot of unlucky stuff happening at really poor times. I yeah. mean, it, not really a nightmare season, but props to him for finishing out the entire year. We'll guess, he comes back next year. I guess another, another disappointment would be like Macedo's stance in the points battle. He'd go and win all the big races, but any other weekend it was it just never got hot when he that comes that'll come with experience because winning the big races will get you a lot more than winning sixteen little ones, I guess. Yeah, but sixteen little ones also put you in the front. It all it all adds up to about the same thing. All right. Uh, what is most? This is from Josh again. What is the most rewarding part of covering so many races? Also, besides travel, what's the most challenging? I'll let you answer this one. Yeah. Um. I'll I'll go to like a a uh, uh, this is a good example. I'm at a women's basketball game. Uh, it's the Iowa State season opener, and it's the school day game. So you just have a ton of screaming kids in the building, uh, and they played Baby Shark three times before the game started from the time I went and sat up there before the game to the tip off and I'm getting this headache. And there's some times where I'll just think to myself, like, man, this is so cool that my job is to sit here and watch sports. Yep. And so, I mean, that's, uh, that's probably the rewarding part of it is I, I always like wake up and I have that, like going to a game tonight, you know, as a kid, like, if I was going to any sporting event, I, I was just hyped up because, Oh, I'm going to go to the game tonight whatever race today. Yeah. It was always cool. Especially when I was doing, doing the radio stuff, it was always cool knowing that there was a game at the end of the night and the bigger the game was the more nervous that you felt. And I, I wasn't even playing in the, in the event. And so that was, that was always rewarding. Absolutely. The most challenging I will say is staying organized enough to like book my own hotel rooms and like travel whenever I can stay with people like at the same time. And I'm like, do you want to take care of the hotel? And they usually like, yeah, sure. It's like, Oh, beautiful. I don't have to worry about anything then. Yeah. That, that would be part of it for sure. Um, Nick Cohan asks, uh, how did always race they start and where do you see in the future? Um, we might have to do a longer answer to that at some point. We only got six minutes before Ron gets on. Basically, uh, Chris Williams was my boss. I wrote women's basketball uh, stuff for him. I still do that um, uh, covering Iowa State. And he knew I had a passion for motorsports. And it was kind of something in the works a long time before it actually like came to fruition. Um, and he had the idea to start it up. I think it was almost called Paddock Fanatics. 
So we, uh, we went through about 400 really crappy names. Um, and then at some point settled on always raised. I don't even know who came up with it. And I don't know if it was me or not. <laughs> hey, I don't think it, it was. I think it, it was Chris actually. Well. Uh, well, where I see it going is, uh, we want to be the top motorsports uh, website on the market. Uh, we're growing like we can be, and um, it'll take time, effort, and passion, but I've got all three, and sometimes two out of the three if it gets to like 3 a.m. and I'm still writing. <laughs> well, it takes people like everyone listening, too. Spread the Absolutely, yeah. Tell, tell your friends about our podcast because uh, we really want to make jokes about them. Is that good? <laughs> That's a good plug for him there it is uh nick also asked why does connor like the vikings i picked him when i was a kid because they were purple uh i realized i made a mistake picked the wrong purple team actually (laughs) that was my favorite color when i was a kid so (laughs) um nick at the races i don't know his last name but you guys if you guys get on twitter you can see all these people follow them and do follow them they're all very funny and uh great guys the circle jerks podcast too. give that a listen they do a lot of nascar stuff but all these people are fantastic people and that's another rewarding thing about being in in the sport and covering it is you get to meet all these mm-hmm. uh, just great dudes that turn into your friends yep um he asked what racetrack would you like to see the world of allies uh schedule that isn't on there that's a tough question. That's a tough question. Um, I guarantee you we're going to get done with the interview and <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to think of one that's like, I should have said that. going to hit you. Absolutely. Uh, ah, man, I don't know. Maybe Davenport. Can I just be selfish and say Davenport since it's three hours from me? I was going to say there, there's so many in the Midwest that, that they've either gone to in the past and don't go anymore or just haven't gone to. And, uh, power eye is starting. It's on wings print car series. Yep. So four tens, uh, hopefully around the Midwest a little bit more. That's cool. Um, I, I wasn't around, um, well enough to see what the national sprint league was and what they were trying to do. I don't know if they were trying to one up the other two series, um, that kind of go, national and regional, but as long as you schedule with people and work around each other, I think you can really succeed. Oh yeah, absolutely. As long as you're not, as long as you're not stepping on people's toes, you know, that's the biggest thing. Nick, my other answer to save this for five years from now, if they're not doing it, I want them back at Bristol. There you go. It's a crown jewel. <laughs> okay. I'm on my deathbed with that one. Crown jewel. All right. Uh, is it better when making a fresh pizza to use oil on the pan to prevent sticking or using flour? Flour, right? Uh, I would say flour. Unless the oil like makes it taste like butter. I don't. How many calories are you looking to gain, Nick? Uh, submit that again next week and with a, a number. There you go. <laughs> uh, with the Chili Bowl two months away, are there any opportunities for crowd crowdfunding a ride for Connor Ferguson? Uh, I will do better than that guy who hadn't heard of the Chili Bowl like a month beforehand. Or Kyle Larson uh, managed to screw up three guys' race and then wreck on the front stretch. <laughs> also, I would give the ride to Glenn Savile uh, before I took it. I want there you it. Go. So we needed a two-car team for this to be a thing. That that would be ideal. That would be pretty cool. Damon, do you want to ride? 
sure, I'll take a ride. Actually, can e- can either of us fit in a midget? Well, you could. I'm too tall. Uh, I'm too wide, so no. We'll just build an extended body. There we go. Okay. I don't know. Is there a? I just think what we need to do is just pool the money and let Glenn drive one car, and we have a better chance. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, just pool it all together. We'll get a Keith Coons car for Glenn. Yeah. See, we got That's it. Beautiful. We'll have to get him back on a uh, maybe near the Chili Bowl. There you go. Something like that. Um, there you go. I do want to preface. Hold on. That's not a bush light. It's like twelve thirty in the afternoon. I'm having an energy drink. No one judge me. Uh, with this is also from Nick at the races with the sponsorship of Josh Gerlach in iRacing. Do you feel he has exceeded expectations in his racing season? What can he do to improve in the future? I I think as long as he beats Cohan, he's good. I just want to see Josh have fun. Uh, he always talks about how he might retire soon. I, I wish he'd stop uh, blue balling the crowd, blue balling his fans. It's not very nice. Um, yeah, Josh, Josh, just just take it, man. You're not retiring for another 15 years. We need always race day on that car. That's our go. main source of income. If everyone didn't know. <laughs> um. Nick at the race is also asked if the new cut car fails, will it cripple NASCAR to extinction? I don't think it will. No, no. They'll just figure out how to make it worse or better. And we'll all keep watching. We'll we'll keep watching because we want to know whether or not it's going to continue to fail or not. And do you know how much fun I have? Like bitching about the 550 package. I'm going to miss that. Well, not necessarily. They're taking 40 horsepower out of it. So, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if it okay if it's slow but it doesn't drive like that package my issue with the package was the air damon yeah that's fair the slowness that's just fair. was another thing i'm piling on at this point i don't know they still got a giant billboard on the back someone was running like a seven inch spoiler today or something like that or yeah yeah they moved it they moved it from eight inches to seven yeah they're still running giant billboards on the back, but yeah. The last time someone told me it was going to be eight inches and then the next day I show up and it's seven, I got pretty disappointed, but yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. Knoxville moths. A uh, good buddy from down there. says race car. A leaves the pit traveling at 30 miles per hour. Two hours later, race car B leaves the same pit traveling in the same direction at 40 miles per hour. How far from the pits was race car A overtaken by race car B? Uh, and I'm just I'm just gonna say uh, it depends on which one Kyle Larson is in. There you go, good answer. I had read that one already, and I I actually started doing the math, and I said this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick at the race is also with garlic cloves, garlic butter, or garlic bread. Like we choose one of the three. I guess, yeah, yeah. Mm, garlic butter—it's very versatile. Yeah, it does that. Does like garlic dipping sauce count in that? Yeah, you can melt it and turn it into dipping sauce. You can put it on bread and throw it in the oven. You—you you got so many uses for garlic butter. It's unbelievable. All right, and then this last one here uh, from Nick at the races is favorite colored posted note. That I don't I don't know that that might be the worst question I've heard ever. Yeah, it's pretty. I'm not not rude. not to hate on Nick here. We ask for more questions, and this is what we get. Hey, you wanted weird questions. You're getting them. 
I'm gonna say dark black. They even make that uh, one that I could only see if I wrote in silver sharpie. I think that'd be sweet. <laughs> I'm gonna go with blue. There we go. All right, we'll see if we can get Ron Caps dialed in here um, in just a second. So everyone, stay tuned for that. All right, guys, joining us now is two-time NHRA funny car champion, uh, Napa racing driver, uh, and this year driving for Don Schumacher Racing um, in the NHRA funny car series. Everyone, it's Ron Caps. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, so I talked to Ron a little bit last year, and I wanted to kind of start with this because I think a lot of people, a lot of people learned your name uh, from how many iRacing races you did during the pandemic. Uh, this dude was on a stream or FS1 somewhere in a different shape of race car on a different type of track just about every day of the week. I think you said you put about six to seven hours a day into it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wish we could have shot it like a, a reality show behind the scenes because <laughs> when COVID happened, you know, everybody went into survival mode. And for me, I started doing virtual everything. Like I uh, even on my flight back from our canceled race, when COVID started, I came up with an idea of doing a virtual autograph card like we have at the racetrack and signing them and having people send me their names and then sending them back out. And so it lit up on Twitter and stuff. And that was fun. And then our recent thing happened. Like all of a sudden we went to our Sam rigs, right. And me and a bunch of buddies that have leagues and we're racing. And the next thing you know, I got the iRacing guys who I've, I've been with forever since the inception of iRacing. I was one of the original beta testers. So a lot of the same people have been there and I get these notes that they're going to have some races. Would I like to join? And, done this rock type series every year you'd get a, a message from or at uh, i racing saying hey we're going to put together this i racing so every december you waited to hear the date and it would have f1 racers in it it would have indycar and formula and just it was so much fun to race against all these guys and dale jr and martin truex back in the early days and just you know going forward it was just fun to race with people that you, you hadn't seen or you watched all year and rallying and whatever series they're in. And here you are racing. But then COVID took it to a whole nother level. Then they're calling saying, Hey, we're going to run a TV race on Fox sports one on Wednesday night. Do you want to be involved? So every day I would have a list of races and it wasn't just those. It was these other string races that I was in with Bobby Labonte and Dale jr. And Clint Boyer. And just, you go down this name of, my teammate Alexander Rossi and Connor Daly and all the IndyCar guys. And something I invited to almost daily. So I would wake up and I'd literally have an itinerary like I have when I go to a racetrack of the races. And I would wake up in the morning, shower, shave, get ready. And I'd have these races to jump in and practice for. And it was so cool uh, through COVID. It was, unfortunately, it was COVID. But fortunately for us, we had uh, iRacing to jump on. Absolutely. Did Allison help you get ready for that? Did she send you a schedule? Was it just like, you have this race, this race, this race? <laughs> Everybody in I race and I would get one daily from all these guys that I race in different series. And um, then it turned it morphed into the Fox sports guys who I'm friends with because we're on FS one and Fox sports. Um, they got involved. And so I was getting all these different messages from the head guy at Fox sports, like, Hey, can you join this race? And, um, 
I can't tell you how much fun when we did the chili bowl one, um, that one night that was on, um, I think it aired on Fox sports one. I got invited then by the world of outlaws people to join there. I think that was Tuesday nights so I ended up airing on CBS network. So I'm racing world of outlaws races with all the world of outlaw guys and they're whipping my ass left and right. <laughs> but it was fun to get Brad sweet. Didn't have, who's my teammate, right. And world champion world outlaws. He didn't have a rig himself. So he was going and jumping on somebody else's. So it's like, time i'd ever beat brad in a sprint car and then he practiced and then of course he was whooping my butt too but <laughs> so much fun to, to jump on a race with those guys and cruz pedragon got in it with me and we were racing you know sprint cars with the world of outlaw guys on cbs network which was pretty neat so i want to uh touch on one thing that me and damon were talking about on our last podcast and we actually ended up uh we don't talk a ton of nhra on a typical weekend but we took, I think, what, Damon, 45 of the hour talking NHRA exclusively on Sunday? See, Ron, I'm trying to, to get him converted to being more of an NHR. Yeah, on, I'm getting there. We, I go to a one-world fuel-altered uh, nationals race a year. I guess the series isn't called that. It's just fuel-altered racing. And it's, yeah, well, if you're going to go to one race fuel-altered, is the one you should do. They're, exactly. Oh, they're, they're such a good time. Uh, and it's Drag racing, running junior dragsters i grew up drag racing and so i've been trying to get connor persuaded more and more over to the the drag racing side so we spent like i don't know 40 minutes on it the other day and it was it was awesome we broke down everything and and talked obviously about your title which is um man that had to have been nerve-wracking standing back there watching that semifinal round yeah that was it's not the we wanted to win the championship. Obviously, we wanted to win that second round and clinch and just be done with it. But we've seen, man, there's been some big moments in NHRA where they've had a, a driver either close to clinching or winning when somebody is either going to win or lose on the racetrack and cameras in their face. And those are big moments. I didn't want to be a part of it. That was the only problem. But I'm uh, thankful my buddy Del Worsham and Alexis DeJoria, they, they went up there and took care of business. And it's the other thing, they're racing my teammates. So I bought, you know, secretly against my teammate, which is strange. So, you know, it, it was what it was, but we built that lead going into Pomona for a reason. We had that lead and that is exactly why we worked so hard qualifying on Friday and Saturday to lengthen those points and uh, create that situation that they had, to, they had to go out and win the whole race to beat us, which was possible for that team. It's a championship team, but it's a tall order. So here's the real jerk bag move that Damon did um, and kind of what we were talking about on Sunday. Uh, I'm obviously cheering for you. Uh, we both are. We're big fans of you. Um, and I text him on Sunday. I'm texting him about the race that's going on that I have on at my uh, family reunion. Uh, and I got my whole bunch of my family members are sitting there wa watching uh, NHRA. Part of this is because the Vikings suck really bad. But I texted Damon about it. And he spoils that you lost in the second round about an hour and a half before it came on my television. <laughs> and so we were talking, we want, I think for NHRA to grow, you obviously want more live races um, anytime in the season. But how do you get the final day, the final race of the year on live TV? Well, it was live, but what they do, because our sport's a little different, and then you've got these four rounds of competition, right, in 16-car field. Mm -hmm. And then you have this chance with nitro cars that there might be a slight oil down or a little bit because anytime you pour nitro in anything, it, it uh, you create 
a chance of explosions. So that's one downside. The sport's always had as far as, you know, uh, live TV, I guess. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, what NHRA and what Fox did was they've gone live from, I think, semifinals on. Sometimes more than that, they'll go second round on. But we start first round at 10 a.m. Yeah. Because you've yeah. got to re- you gotta give time to rebuild these cars and engine. If you've been to a race, you've seen them tear them apart, put them together in between runs. That's about an hour, sometimes sooner. So you can't have a TV show that's going to go 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Right. right. I mean, right. Even and if NASCAR, you're going to, you got to have someone to fill it. Yeah. So even NASCAR uh, can't do that. And they're too long, I think, at times to watch. Right. So that being said, yeah, I think it's a good scenario they have. You just have to either ignore social media <laughs> the first couple rounds if you're really wanting to know what's going on, or they have an NHRA TV app, which is like being there. You get the, the sound out of the tower. It's like being there. So my, that's what my family watches. They wake up in the morning here in the West coast. If I'm back East, they're in bed watching first round live. And it's like, you're there. So then you flip it over to Fox when uh, the, the live show starts. That's my I, I do want to give props to the NHRA. Um, and I haven't read into this too much yet, but it's uh NHRA exclusive 24 seven channel uh, is now on 10 streaming platforms, including Tubi, uh, and Roku yep. uh, Have you in seen the United States. Have you, it's it got so many cool old school races, which I love any old yes. school races, sprint cars, whatever, old school. And it shows all these old, like the other day I logged on and it was like the 1970 nationals. And they had all the guys that I oh. cared for when I was a kid. That's and it's awesome. hard to find stuff like that. So we, we pulled it up on Plex on Roku. I think it was. And watched and, and the guide, I'm like, holy smokes, this is like a dream channel for a racer to, to see all this cool old stuff. That's so cool, especially for them to get on a streaming service like that that's available to everybody. And I, I like watching all the old Diamond P videos and yeah. races too. And, you know, that, that's got to be cool for you to go back and relive some of your childhood moments as well. Yeah, Diamond P stuff is epic. I still got the VHS eight tracks that uh yep. or not even eight tracks, but VHS tapes that my son um we had all these Diamond P ones that he would watch when he was a little baby and he would just sit in front of the TV and just watch them. Yep. So I ended up burning them on the DVDs. Now he's twenty. But back then, uh once DVDs became a thing, I burned all of them because he just was wearing the tape out. He would just watch them over <laughs> and over. <laughs> so um so yeah, we started uh burning them and then now to be able to turn tv on have that stuff on is pretty dang cool do you just have the trophy just casually sitting there behind you yeah that's a, that's a move. i love it it's just right next to your shoulder. 2016 that's a big one right there that's this awesome. not as tall it's new. it says camping world on it but if i measure with my hands it's <laughs> it's, about, it's about this much shorter it's just different looking, but that one, that's the first 2016 and that thing's monstrous and heavy. This is heavier than it looks, believe it or not. And all the pictures you've seen this week, uh, I could only hold for about five seconds and I had to snap a picture and I had otherwise, man, <laughs> it was hard to hold up. 
So it's it's funny that you mentioned the trophies, though, but what's the difference between the two? Obviously, 16 was pretty special because you'd been going for titles all over. You know, you'd finished as minimal points as possible in second place for so many years. And then to win 16, that, that was big. But what's the differences between the two? Um, we clinched on Saturday night in 2016 right after qualifying we outran our teammate at the time Hagen actually he mathematically had the only shot left and we outran him so that created a chance to celebrate on a Saturday night which we did until the wee hours with every fan that came up took a picture of the trophy and us in the area. Uh, so there was no stress of Sunday <laughs> worrying about going through the whole thing back in 2016 fast forward to this last year and uh and it was mathematically quite a few going into the race at Pomona. Once qualifying was over, it eliminated everybody, but Cruz Padragon had a, an outside chance. And of course, Matt Hagen was right on her heels. So we knew no matter what, it was going to be, you know, two or three of us. And then Cruz lost first round. He was out. Hagen was still in, and we ran him second round. So it was going to be a nail biter no matter what. It ended up being a little more than we wanted, but, um, you know, that's what they created the points and a half at the world finals. That's why they, they created the countdown scenario playoffs. And, um, so it's quite a bit different, different looking trophies, but the way we want it, how we want it, the team I want it with, uh, it was a new team I started this year with completely different car, different process of driving. So I had a lot of changes I had to make. And, um, so that makes it a little extra special. What's it like working with John Medlin and Dean Antonelli? So I've known Dean forever. You know, we were both crew members going back. Um, he was yeah. on John Force's team. Yep. I had as a crew chief, we actually won together in Sonoma when he filled in as my crew chief, um, 2010, maybe something like that. And so I've known him a long time. His son, Eric, who passed away, I was tight with. And, uh, you know, it's been fun to be around him. He's a very methodical, outside the box let's try this wacky idea and, um, and then we'll have NHRA see if they can find out what we're doing, you know, as far as getting it okayed. And nowadays you have to have everything okayed. So um, he's very, very good like that. I love his mindset and it's good to have that, that other outlook for Guido, Dean, uh, we call him Guido, my crew chief. So a lot of people know his name's Dean. He's just go by Guido. He's been Guido forever. So it's, and that was his first crew chief as a uh, first world championship as a crew chief, mm-hmm. which I didn't know. I assumed he'd already won one or two. Um, so that made it a little more special on top of that. So we got to clear some stuff up here. Uh, I got a best friend that races in the NHRA. His name's Antron Brown. You heard of him? Yeah. He's <laughs> so, uh, years ago, I was writing for free for this small blog. Um, that was a joke. I know we had heard of him, Damon. Damon's looking at me embarrassed. Uh, I was writing for the small blog. I think I did an NHRA story or something. Yeah. All all of a sudden, Antron Brown follows me on Twitter. So he's like one of the first big guys to follow me. I'm like starstruck. I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. You know, I messaged him once he didn't answer. Uh, but he follows like 412 people and I'm sure he's seen a lot of my bad tweets and I don't know why he ever followed me. Coincidental of Said. But we, we have no idea. <laughs> That's what I said. 
Uh, I think it was an accident myself. I think so too, but he's my best friend now. So <laughs> I don't think you do. No. Uh oh. We'll uh, we'll get you tagged and everything uh, after we're done with this, and yeah, we'll change don't that. worry about it either way. You'll see a lot of bad tweets. That's just a warning. I don't have. I've got some bad. I do all my social media myself, so. Uh, people always wonder if it's a PR person doing them or not. And if you go back and look at a lot of my posts, you can tell it's not a PR person. Sometimes <laughs> I do things I probably shouldn't have put out, but I think they're funny and it ends up being something, you know, fans love. So it, it works out. So I got to ask too, um, you're on a couple other podcasts this week, obviously for good reasons, but, um, Rumors are out there. Is is there a possibility you're going on your own next year? Yeah, I make an announcement uh, opening day PRI, which is December 9th, and uh, it's probably the worst kept secret in the pit area. <laughs> but um, we were gonna shy away from it, and we saw you like somewhat answer it on a different podcast. And I said, yeah. we gotta go, dude. The last today. My itinerary the last few days has been just incredibly slammed in a good way. Just after Zoom interview and phone calls, and it's been fun. Um, and Allison has been blowing, blowing me up on email with adding another one here and another one there. So it's been a lot of fun. But on top of that, yeah, next year, um, some really cool things for me and my future. And so I'll announce who it is with and what we're doing. But I get to, I get to go out on my own and. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll make that, that who it is and all that, that fun stuff. But, um, that's, it's sort of been going on behind the scenes throughout this countdown, which has been bizarre for me to be a chance to win a championship with not distractions, but a lot of things I never had to worry about before on getting on the business side of things and ownership throughout these last few races, which you would think would be more of a distraction, but I've actually driven better than I've ever driven, concentrated more, and um, it's going to pay off. How uh, how tough is that kind of feeling in the back of your head? You know, you're going to go start your own team. What if it fails? Yeah, I, I think I have too many good people around me uh, for it not to fail. Uh, counting the, the sponsors and who, who got behind me, um, you know, to have a lengthy contract at the first time out and be, you know, not just that, but the immediate people around me and my racing world and the team that I put together around me, uh, you couldn't ask for better people. And we'll make that announcement too. Um, but it's crazy that the talented people in different areas that I've already gotten. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I've been talking to my, my old owner, Don, the snake Perdome has been huge throughout this time period. Uh, of course he's retired. He's still running around, but getting a drive for him being a kid that looked up and built his models and played with his hot wheels and stuff. And then to drive for him and then fast forward, you know, 17 years later, um, and have him really want to be involved in helping me with any questions or any advice I have. And I'm looking forward to having him come out and just be snake and just hang out at the races and not have to worry about anything. Cause he gave me my big break. And I told him, I'd love to have him come out and, uh, and just, uh, enjoy, you know, being that, that role of just being Dom Perdome at the racetrack. So hopefully we get him out to a bunch of races, but it's been, it's been, uh, you know, of course I wake up every morning in a cold sweat and I'm like, can I do this? Can I do this? And then, you know, I get a couple phone calls into people in my, on our, on our team and, uh, 
they talked me down off the ledge and, uh, and sort of remind me that we're going to do this. Well, I mean, if, if force can do it for so long, I think you can, can match him as well. Yeah. Well, we'll be, we'll see, but it'll be fun either way. Certainly. I, I guess I got one last thing real quick. You obviously work or drove for two very successful legends of our sport, you know, in, in snake and then in Schumacher, what, what things can you take from those guys to use to your, your advantage when you go start your team? Uh, same thing. They're both so different in how they approach ownership role snake. That's all he's ever done. And obviously he's a big name in our sport. Don Schumacher, way more of a business guy. Um, coming from the business world. So I just, you know, I made a lot of mental notes throughout the years. I mean, drove for snake for almost 10 years. I've driven for Schumacher since 2005. So um, when just watching the way they approach a lot of different things, just so different, like you couldn't ask for more polar opposites on the way they approach ownership. And so it's been fun to get both those sides of it. All right. My last question, and this is perfectly on par for what I usually ask people, but with the new era starting, um, I think it'd be a great idea if we got you a unique celebration to do in victory lane after each race, you can do a shoey. Would, would you be in to do a shoey? I don't know. It's, it's gotten to be sort of, uh, that's overdone now. I guess, yeah, I guess the proper word for that would be stale because you let, uh, you let me and Damon brainstorm over the next few months, and I'll get back with yeah, Allison we'll before the season that. starts. We'll have you on, and we'll, we'll yeah, get, we'll we'll you some ideas. I started sliding down the car uh, here this year because Eric Medlin, who passed away, that's what he did when he won his first funny car race, and John Medlin being on my team. And there's a sticker, Eric Medlin sticker that I look at. My view is I use it to aim. It's on the back of the injector. Uh, so he's riding with me all the time. And it just, it's, uh, both times we won this year, I was able to slide down the car, like, like the movie Grease, I guess. I, love um, that. I thought it was a Starsky yeah. and Hutch reference. It was more of a Grease, you know, uh, yeah, maybe Starsky and Hutch. Rockford Files. I mean, you know, you kind of throw all those in there, but yeah, Starsky and Hutch definitely pulled that off. But I come from the top, so it's more, might be more Grease. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm open. I'm open as long as it's not too dumb. <laughs> no, oh, okay. All right. Pressure. You just cut like half our list already. So we'll, we'll get a list I, and we'll figure I, it out. I promise to work on something with you guys. If you promise to put some pictures up on your wall behind me. Oh there yeah, absolutely. I got, we'll have to, uh, I'll have to talk to you, get a body panel in here. Not a, not a full size one. I got like the back half of a late model fender, but we're trying to, at some yeah. point when we get big enough to have an office, we'll have it all hanging up. Yeah. You need to check in your life. You need to get some stuff on your wall. <laughs> I'll, uh, <laughs> next time I'll print, I'll just print out one picture of you and put it right in the middle. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Ron. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, man. Good seeing you guys. Good seeing you too. Okay. You bet.